So my question to you is, do you know anything about bicycles? I do. I like bicycles. Really? <gasps> Good. Okay, I have, I have questions. No, I, I decided this summer I want a bike because uh -huh. I live like right near this bike path that's like a really nice bike path. Like I can literally bike to anywhere in the western city limits right. using this bike path. It's like very nice bike path. Um, but I have no idea where to start with buying a bike at all. I don't know. I don't even know how many speeds I need. How many speeds do I need? Amazon.com. Yeah, I just type in bike. And then I buy the first one. That's usually what I do with most things. I type Especially in what I need and I buy it. a Huffy bike with like little, little yeah, sprilly I'm things. I'm more of a mon mongoose man <laughs> myself. You get some pegs? Yeah, yeah. You can ride on my pegs. I would get one of those ones that you kind of lay back and you pedal forward. It's like a, a tricycle. A, a, recum a recumbent bicycle? Yeah. <laughs> they have the little flags so you can, the cars can see you and not run you over. That's the one. No, I would not do that. No, I want a standard regular person bicycle, not a weird sit back, weird person bicycle. <laughs> why do you even need, why do you need a bike? You have an electric vehicle. You can't like, you can't like bike lane in a Tesla down the bike path. <laughs> no, it's not like the high occupancy vehicle lane. Right. <laughs> uh, yeah, so... We want to talk about EVs. This is one. This is a topic you wanted to talk about when you originally were pitching me this, or we were like co, or we were like co, yeah, or we were like co coming up with uh, this idea for this show. This is one we wanted to really. It was like an example topic to touch on. Mm -hmm. And myself as uh, an EV owner now of eight months, I think. Um, I wow. think it's it doesn't good feel to like that long. <laughs> yeah, I know. Talk to talk to our friend's baby and like that. You know, that's longer than that. Right. <laughs> so it's really funny. Like I've been thinking about this the last day or two since I knew we were going to talk about it. And the more I think about it, the less I care about the car itself. And the more I'm, I'm thinking a lot about the eventual platforms and services we'll see with electric vehicles versus just owning an electric vehicle. Do you mean platforms and services beyond like autonomy or do you mean like the the kind of the economy around electric vehicles, like charging stations, and how that's sort of, sort of going to change? A little bit of both, but I so we've I think we very briefly talked about this on that first beta episode. Um, so I think like this generation, I don't know what I don't know if generation is like people generation or just more like car generation, but like within the next five ten years, we're going to think a lot more about. Obviously, more and more cars are going to be off the line electric. I think in the next 15, 20 years, all cars, if not 80 to 90 percent of cars are going to be required to be electric. I think I think there will always be a market for combustible engine cars, but I think that will quickly not become the norm because I think most people don't actually care. I don't think your average family cares about having a gasoline car and probably will eventually want to get off of that. Although I do think there will be a small market for, you know, Harley Davidson's and weird old cars from the twenties yeah. and whatever. Well, I think that's, I think that's, yeah, I think that's totally fine. It's the same way that we went from like horse and carriage or horse and buggy to cars, right? We st people still ride horses. They didn't go away. People like will ride them for pleasure. They will use them for some work-related tasks. 
Um, but they're not the main mode. They're they're more of a yeah. They're a, a well, niche thing. We can pretty with pretty good certainty say that it's very clear that autonomy is going to become far safer than human driven cars. Electric cars are going to be far more feasible in a way that eventually it makes sense that there will be some sort of government mandate restricting it. And really, if there was a weird utopia where the best decision was created, it would be illegal to physically drive a car or have gas-consuming vehicles. The same way that technically, if we were to create some weird utopia where everyone is performing at their best, there would be no alcohol. And we had a thing like that called the prohibition and it didn't go very well. <laughs> so there will always be a market for those sorts of things. Here's my statement on that, which is I think we should table a lot of this autonomy talk. Because if we're going to talk about electric cars mixed with autonomy, this is going to be a four hour podcast. So I I think we can touch on it a little bit, but in that how autonomy is going to change the world is a whole nother topic, I think. Yeah. So we still know, just to wrap that up real quick, is that like autonomy is probably like it's growing, but it's still 10 to 20 years out. Maybe 5 to 15. Maybe. Anywhere in according that to Elon Musk, According to Elon Musk, yeah, my car is getting Thursday. next Thursday. It's always been next Thursday for every year he's been talking about it. But uh, according to him... The, it's happening this year. There's going to be full self-driving features. So The point of the even more interesting beyond that is what we briefly talked about where I could see companies like, say, Microsoft, and I don't know why necessarily they would be in, the, in this, but theoretically, some major tech company, Google, buying fleets of hundreds of thousands of these or an entire city teaming up with Tesla to basically litter the streets to ones where I think in the generations like say you know my you know my children one day or sometime in the future 30 years from now or whatever will not own cars like i don't believe that cars car ownership will really be a thing for the bulk of most people even in small towns like oklahoma where i'm from where you have to have a car things are just too spread out to really make it feasible not to I, I think we'll find ways that basically, like, if it's in... Is, can I ask a question? Is Uber available in the town that you grew up in? Like, can you open yeah. Uber and, like... Yeah, I mean, I grew up in a big... I grew up in a big town. It's just in a small state. <laughs> yeah. So, like, if Uber... My theory is if Uber is there, the Uber replacement is some sort of autonomous car. It will be there. Right, right. Uh, so, yeah, like I said, I think eventually, and I could see it being completely subsidized. I could see cities doing it completely for free with maybe like some sort of ad stricken revenue behind it. Or like, again, like say Microsoft did it. There are Xboxes and things in the cars, something to that effect, you know? Uh, but yeah, it's a, it will break, it will definitely drive the cost down. We know, see, I don't want to get into this because this is the other thing that I could have done more research for. But we know that these Uber and Lyft are losing money. They're betting on they're betting on autonomy replacing the driver so they don't have to pay the driver and then they will make money. And being there before they turn profitable or hit zero. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And that's what all the investors are betting on too, I'm pretty sure. So but the here and now, as a Tesla owner, what topics do you actually want to bring up? Okay. Topics I want to bring up. I just want to talk about sort of just how cool it is. How cool it is and how cool I am for having it and how much fun I'm having and I'm justifying me buying this car. No, I just want to talk about just basically 
kind of what you're saying. I do want to divorce autonomy from electric cars because they're not necessarily like Tesla intertwined them because it's the most obvious example. But there's plenty of autonomous systems that are not most of them, I would say, in fact, are not built on electric vehicles. Yeah, that's fair. Like lane changing, departure, things like that. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. There's, you know, the other big autonomous thing that I know is Chevy Cruise. Chevy brought a com- bought a company called Cruise or sub- Chevy Super Cruise is what they call it. Uh-huh. And it's an autonomous thing. It's available in Cadillacs, Cadillacs and their gas guzzling Cadillacs. Um, so that would be the main uh, competitor to autopilot that I know of. There's that. There's like a lot of them. Ford has parking assist. I know a lot of modern companies or cars now have some sort of parallel parking assist or something like that. Yeah. I want to talk more about, like we were talking about, these incentives to get electric vehicles. Why maybe this like seat change of thinking about electric vehicles as this niche thing and then becoming this like more popularly recognized and like clear future to most people. It kind of feels like, and because of the sort of, in recent news, the Model 3, I don't want to make it all about Tesla, but the Model 3 35, uh, thousand dollar edition the cheap the quote-unquote cheap one Mm -hmm. is now out within the last few months and so is the model y announcement which is the sort of um compact suv version of the model 3 and we know at least in america compact suvs are the best-selling class of cars Mm -hmm. in the united states so like that are it kind of feels like that $35,000 Model 3 is sort of the, and other journalists, not that I'm a journalist, but other journalists have said this, which is that like the Model 3 is the iPhone moment for electric vehicles. Um, I think that's pretty accurate analysis in that there are all these ideas around, you know, there's been electric vehicles for a long time. Even some of the first cars ever were electric cars. Um, and then, you know, oil companies, you know, oil came in and that became so much cheaper. And mm-hmm. next story, we've had, you know, gasoline cars for the past hundred years. And if I remember right, even Elon has said this stuff, like when he created the Roadster, like the Roadster was not the goal. And even the uh, the Model S was not the goal. Like it, it was a premium enough product that they could do and test these things. But it was also a small enough product that they could learn before they hit crazy market scale. So the whole yeah. three... Which, you know, I had always sort of heard and thought of the news report of being to get it under 30 grand, which 35 is close enough. But yeah, 35 is also model. the average cost. I, that's really high. It's higher than I would have thought. Average cost of a car in America as well. So yeah, I would not buy my The last car yeah. I bought was was new off the lot was 21. And it was a fairly yeah, nice car. Like, it was a Volks- Yeah, was mine a was 24 and it was fairly nice too. Yeah, yeah same. So, yeah. So it was a big, big jump up in price from that, and I got even the higher, higher end options, yep. and that's what was even more. So, but even recently, you talked about the the um, the federal tax credits, and those have gone down recently, though, haven't they? Weren't they ten thousand, and then they dropped or something? No. Or, so okay. it applies. It's a on a manufacturer by manufacturer basis. And okay. each manufacturer gets a num- set number of cars that they can sell. And the first like benchmark is 100,000 cars. Once they hit 100,000 cars, the tax credit starts to phase out. So it's a $7,500 oh. tax credit. So once they hit 100,000 cars, seven, the next group of people in the next quarter, it, the, the like it, it's quote unquote phased out. The next group of people that buy that car, um, the tax credit is halved, then it's halved again the next quarter. Oh, interesting. Gone. 
And by the way, Tesla is the only like new car company to have survived in 100 years since the main car companies of that we know of existed. So that's a big accomplishment in and of itself. A lot of them have tried and failed. So talk to John DeLorean. The car, <laughs> like the car buying experience where there is no, there is no Amazon for cars. Like cars are shipped from the manufacturer direct to, you know, a Volkswagen dealer or a Honda dealer. And those, there is no price competition. Like it, it is direct from the manufacturer, which is a huge problem when it creates setbacks and when a company and again like we've said this a bunch of times like obviously it's easy to talk about tesla because they're the biggest the biggest player in this game and as much as i like what tesla's doing i certainly hold reservations for some of the company practices they've had thus far but you know when you can't let a company come in and disrupt those cultures like when there are many states where you cannot buy a tesla from a tesla dealer because it doesn't yeah texas i think there's a handful of other ones where because the dealer yeah exactly the dealers have uh lobbyists and they have a lot of money and they don't want to see this direct sales thing because they're the they're as the middleman right they don't want to see that tesla is selling cars and servicing cars directly and that's resulting in cheaper prices and better service so why do we need this middleman yeah what if ford says oh that stuff we're the ford's already copying tesla why don't we copy their sales model and then cut out all these dealers yeah i'm really curious because elon's also kind of the only person i think who would just be insane enough to not care about the business repercussions to like whatever the fifth well i guess the roadster was I guess the Y would technically be the fifth, but whatever the fifth after this S class and beyond, like, you know, whatever the next iteration past Y is, I'm really curious if they're, if they go with a, a huge loss leader, like if they have scaling and manufacturing down to where they can just crank out, you know, whatever it is, 5,000 cars a week or whatever their, their goals are trying to hit. If they just say like, now the new Tesla, whatever off the line is 15 to 20 grand and just have everybody buy them. Yeah. Well, I think that's the ultimate goal. So you mentioned about sort of Tesla and their goals hit the stated goal of Tesla is to increase the advent of um, renewable energy. So that's the goal, which and is beyond it, cars. Which is beyond cars. And we'll talk about that, I think, in another episode when we talk about Tesla energy and some other sort of solar and battery and mm -hmm. battery technologies. Yeah, that's the whole thing. I, I forgot about this, the Tesla battery packs. Yeah, it's kind of cool because the battery packs are essentially just like the battery packs that are in cars, but they seal them up and put them on your wall. So, yeah, they're one of the biggest battery manufacturers. In the, they are the biggest battery manufacturer in the world. Sure. Yeah, certainly by um, volume. Yeah. So, yeah. So... Yeah, the idea was, I guess, the was to go from sort of top down with converting people. Because the idea was, you know, in the night, you know, there were there were car companies that flirt have been flirting with electric cars for a very long time. Have you ever seen the documentary Who Killed the Electric Car? No, I've never even heard of it. Very good documentary. It is okay. um, about GM in the early '90s. I want to say made a car called the EV1, and it was like a completely electric vehicle. And they never sold them to people. They only leased them. And it was like this program where they would lease them and uh, just basically test this out. But it became like this cult thing. Everyone who bought one like loved it. 
Uh, and like even all these celebrities, like Tom Hanks and like Danny DeVito, like had these cars and they said they love them. Um, and this is like old technology. This isn't like lithium ion cell batteries like we have now. They were like lead acid batteries. Right. So like this was like way before uh, a Tesla. But they like that they did this pilot program and people love these cars. But for some unknown reason, they recalled all the cars and crushed them. So the theory is that GM itself killed the product because other whatever i don't know oil and gas yeah, lobbyist kind of yeah i think there's a couple to, of, to that's one off. of them that's one of the theories the other one would be they just don't know how and i think this still persists and we can talk about this maybe with nissan and stuff and these other companies that these companies that are selling or trying or attempting to sell electric cars when they're not when they're used to selling gasoline internal combustion cars just like the and because again probably because of this dealership model these dealers these dealers are not really incented to sell them they don't know how to sell them the advertising at least a lot of these companies do you know uh will show it as like this green right uh you know you know friendly fun you eco know first, friendly as eco like a first thing yeah. yeah and then tesla comes in and be like boom roadster yeah well and i i guess too and it would make a lot of sense that those these companies toyota nissan i mean they're car manufacturers that one of the advantages that tesla has was they were the first their first thing they were ever building was this so they got to look at things differently they didn't build a combustible engine car and then figure out how to put a battery in it they figured out how to make a battery first motor vehicle that that can go down the road (laughs) and that's a lot different there's many more advantages to that because yeah, a lot of them, a lot of these uh, car companies will just basically do electric conversions of their cars that they're currently selling, right? And that doesn't really work, and you don't get a lot of these advantages of electric cars when you don't build it from the ground up. Um, they'll just literally just you lo- you actually in a electric car like a Tesla that's built from the ground up, you actually get so much more space in the car because the battery pack is flat on the floor. Yeah. So they build a body on top of it. So there's like no center like divider. So like the passengers have really good foot room. The like the trunk room is huge. And there's like a even like a pullout panel under the trunk with more space. And there's a frunk. So you get like a huge amount of space. <laughs> yeah. These cars where you retrofit them, you're basically putting batteries in the trunk. So you're losing space. Right. And you're not getting these sort of driving dynamics advantages of being the center of gravity being low. You're probably not getting as fuel efficient a battery. And at some point, I know I've thought about this before as I've, you know, read the news up on this stuff, but I I kind of forget how important Tesla's business acumen is that really rides on the battery. The same way that like Apple now, I think if you stripped away everything about apple truly their most important thing that they do are their microprocessors that they're now releasing like they they produce microchips that are flat out better than anything else being produced right now i think in the same way you would look at tesla's batteries and say the same thing like the battery is more important than the car yeah and that's another thing they just like have all these battery chemists and battery people on staff and that i will tell you my car is doing everything that i can to prolong that battery it is doing everything i do not think these other companies are doing that you know, I, I don't know for sure, but you would certainly assume so. Like these are, even if they're trying to tiptoe their way into this and they know that the future is inevitable here, it has to be so much more expensive for a company like Nissan or whoever to like, to start working backwards, to, to slowly push away 
the the engine part of their of their creation and move on to something else like you have to imagine that's way different and then the way that it affects all parts of the car like it is a bulkier car and you even see that with like the prius and stuff like that it's like it's a small car but it's still bulky the same way that a that a normal gas guzzling car is so yeah, I think now that you know, you know, it went from Roadster to Model S, which is a premium sedan competing with B, you know, high-end BMWs. Then you're to the Model Three, which is maybe competing with sort of high-end, like high-end mainstream cars or low-end premium cars. Like it's in that space. I don't, I don't try not to be like, oh, it's the best thing in the world, right? But like, I think people are just intuitively when they get in the car, it's just like. I think they intuitive they intuitively like get this. They're like, oh, this is like something, right? This is this is ten x better. You know, it's one of those things where you can you don't change if something is two x better. It needs to be ten x better. You're like, oh, this is ten x better than a gasoline. Two yeah. x better was cup holders. Like, <laughs> yeah, and I I think as somebody who's who's ridden in the car before multiple times, like it it's even cooler once you forget about it because then you realize that it has all these benefits, but it eventually, you know, the sticker shock wears off a little bit. And then you're like, oh, this is like, this is legit. It's not like, you know, the automation and the lane, the way that it handles lane and self-driving works and it works 10 times in a row and it works a hundred times in a row. And, you know, it's not just like a little fluke. Oh, this is a cool thing. And then you never use it. Just like the way the car is built, like we we're talking about, like the driving dynamic. You didn't drive it, but there's drive. The driving dynamics of the car are better. Like what if you drive it, you're like, oh, all car. Why aren't all cars like this? This makes no sense. Like that car that's making all that noise when I hit the accelerator. That's crazy. And then like needs to spin up a bunch of things and pistons to make it go when I just hit the thing and it feels, you know, it's analog versus digital, right? It's going from yeah, it's going from Betamax to uh, Blu-ray, basically. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's like you know it's this instant acceleration, like and it t- again takes away all that you know '90s hubbub of like oh it's like a small city car that gets like 40 miles, right? You know that this is, it obliterates all of that. I guess the the one question I, I'm still sort of curious on is you see the supercharging and stuff like that, but it sounds like it's starting to stall out just a little bit. Is there slowdown in the growth of the supercharger, or does that part of the total the total uh, electric vehicle economy that a user goes through like does it seem like it matters as much? Because it it doesn't sound like you don't use supercharged stations very often, do you? Only when I travel long distances, which is basically what they're made for. Like I only only use them okay for when I did a road trip from here in chicago to toronto that's the only time i use them okay um but that is i feel like charging stations and charging stations compatible with your car are another huge advantage that tesla like showed everybody is that like now you eliminate this range anxiety um that's like one of the big things that you know is still prevalent in electric cars that aren't teslas i don't think most people you know if you get this range that's in this car. Say the average now is between 200 and 300 miles. Yeah. For, that's most cars, including Teslas. And yeah, and it still makes you a little nervous. Or at least I can see people saying like, well, what if I get stuck because it's 200 miles and I didn't have enough range? Even though, yeah, I mean, a car like my car was fairly fuel efficient and I got between like 350 and 400 on a, I don't remember, a 14 or 15 gallon tank, something like that. 
but then yeah, you I think yeah, my car had a slight my a gasoline car had a slightly smaller tank, so its range would be about three fifty, right. which is similar to my car right now, uh, that Tesla. If you charge it all the way up, it'll be three fifty. Um, yeah, yeah, I would never. I would charge. I would fill up my tank once a week, but now I'm. The, and the great advantage that you learn is that you're plugging this in in your garage every night, and you leave what it with what effectively is a full tank, you know, quote unquote full tank every morning. You never have to think about a gas station. It that's one of the great freedoms of having an electric car. I think. Yeah. Okay, for those people who have over 150 mile commutes every day, okay, maybe this isn't for you. Or you know, you have a hundred over 150 mile commute. And you don't have a charging station at your job. Maybe this isn't for you, but I think that's a very small amount of people. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like you, you find ways to manage around it. But I think one thing that Tesla did right was not trying to um, be in the middle. Like there were a lot of cars that were sort of this electric crossover, where it's like you could ride gas in the city or whatever. Or vice versa, and like turn on electric when you're in the city, or you know whatever it would be. So it's all like this back and forth thing. Yeah, that's kind of crazy. Like the Prius was like that, but there was more like the original Bolt. Yeah, well, not Bolt. Volt. Volt was like that, which it had. It was an electric drive, but had a gasoline generator. I never really trusted cars like that because now you're it's a Frankenstein, and you're doubling the things that can go wrong. Oh, and that's another and that's another advantage of an electric car. There's it's so much less complex. That like things hardly ever go wrong. Like it's literally battery connected to motor, done. And unless something does go wrong, I mean, there. I think that's maybe some of the fear still is that like if something does go wrong, there are two parts. There's the motherboard and there's the battery. If one of those goes, and they're both expensive, you're screwed. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah that's true. But I think at least. Tesla is proving that because they've had fleet, uh, you know, a fleet around for almost ten years at this yeah. point, and you don't you don't really hear those horror stories. So that that's great, yeah, and they've learned way more in this last ten years. Getting so far, far better. The line now. Yeah, I think what I was going to say was Tesla going all in on that, knowing that the future will catch up to the dream is kind of the same thing that like Google or Netflix did, where it's basically saying or. Or Apple, I'm thinking particularly with like cloud storage and stuff like that. It's like, imagine, you know, because you think about when Netflix first got into into streaming and stuff like that, or Google in the early days when Gmail first came out, basically they're saying like, we know things are expensive now. We know in the future storage space and cloud computing will basically be zero. Let's build for that future. And that's kind of what I see Tesla doing is let's build for the future that will be. Yeah, I think I told you this story before, and I love this kind of thinking. That's why I think Elon you know, Musk is like this, and Reed Hastings from Netflix is like this. Where Reed, I saw, I heard Reed Hastings, CEO of Netflix, talk mm-hmm. about this. I believe in some kind of uh, like just talk that he was giving, uh, which was when they were talking about the business model of Netflix. They talked about bandwidth, and they're like, mm-hmm. "What is the bandwidth of a a um, like early two thousands internet connection?" to your house streaming a movie versus a, a semi-truck full of DVDs bringing them through the mail to your house. Right. <laughs> and it was a great analogy. And that kind of thinking is, I love that kind of thinking, which is like at the time, yes, the semi-truck full of movies using the United States Postal Service will download you a movie faster than you using it through your like 
under one megabyte connection, megabit connection right. at that time. But they knew that would flip, and they, you know, they they saw that coming and they prepared for that, and that's why they're as big as they are now. Yep. And speaking of semi trucks, and you were talking about sort of long range stuff, Tesla has a semi truck coming out. That's true. I forgot about that. Yeah. Tesla. Uh, my brother, who's actually a UPS driver said they brought one tesla brought a tesla semi-truck to his ups facility oh cool check it out so they're like they're already like being ambassadors to this and there's a lot of uh very large trucking companies i think some of the biggest trucking companies in the world that are are signed up to basically pilot doing this and to your point with superchargers that's they're upgrading superchargers it's not slowed down it's actually expands continues to expand you can drive across the entire united states almost all of canada because there's like some place in like newfoundland you can't yeah <laughs> but yeah. they said there will be a couple more and then you can actually drive across all of canada and they're opening they're opening tens of them every week around the world like china has a huge amount of them okay uh, and they've also recently announced upgrading the charging uh, capabilities of them. So right now, uh, this is called, I think this is called Supercharger 2.0, which is what most of them are right now. And they are, I think, 120 kilowatt hours, something like that, mm-hmm. uh, of charging capability. It's like a DC uh, fast charging bypass, right? So normally when you plug in your car, the car has a built-in charger that takes AC, converts it to DC into the battery. Mm-hmm. These superchargers are basically direct DC chargers into the battery. And they obviously have this 120 kilowatts that they can pump into there but there's a lot of uh systems that have to go into they want to preserve this battery life of this car so even if there's i know there are people who there's this company i forget what they're called i think they're in vegas i think they're called test loop they're basically long-haul uber they will uh if you need to go from like vegas to la or something sure a couple set destinations yeah you can contract with this company and they'll drive you there and they bought a bunch of these Teslas uh, back when you got free supercharging. So they pay for no gap, no like power. Right. And they exclusively supercharge their fleet because it's one, because it's free, and two, because they have to, because they're driving these long distances. Yeah. Um, hmm. And so Tesla, they, Tesla's le- uh, recently, one, you can't get free supercharging anymore, but even before that, they said, that the, these people were grandfathered in, but they're like, oh, you can't do that. <laughs> Don't right, do that. Right, right. But they had since, I heard this actually because I was at the Tesla service center today and I was talking to a guy and he said they learned so much from those people about battery, how to preserve battery. And even then, them doing that exclusively supercharging for however many, four or five years, they've lost 75, 75, per, they still have 75% battery capacity, which is, wow. I think, great. That's so funny. I never thought about like the the best thing you want to do as a dev or as an engineer is stress test this kind of stuff. And it's there's no better way to in a real world stress test than to have people like that abuse it. <laughs> so like if you're charging normally at home, maybe supercharging every once in a while, they've seen cars that are four or five years old, still 95% battery capacity. Yeah. But yeah, speaking about superchargers, so they've recently rolled out supercharger 3.0 which upgrades the capacity to 250 kilowatt hours so it doubles it and they're doing this other cool thing which is if you put this is the advantage of software talking to software developers uh if you put into your navigation take me to a supercharger your car will begin pre-conditioning the battery to accept the higher charge so they said they said just doing that alone will increase charging 
uh, speed by 25%, not even upgrading the kilowatt hours. That's really so cool. Will, That's such a so good yeah. example of like not trying to, to hit, you know, not trying to use the hammer to hit the nail twice as hard, but finding a more effective way to get better yes, speeds and stuff exactly. like that. Yeah, because yeah, there's, if you know anything about batteries, you know they like, they accept the most charge between like being like 5% and maybe 70% is where they like will charge the fastest because there's software that, you know. And it'll slowly taper because you can't have like, yeah, you can't have an iPhone charge a hundred percent speed all the way to a hundred and then it like bursts through it's you know <laughs> burst through time yeah <laughs> no yeah so and if you know anything about so when i did this road trip i kind of knew that in my head and i would basically try and time it so i got there at five percent and we would leave at 70 80 percent as long as I could get to the next supercharger. And that, when you're doing that, you're at 15, 20 minutes of charging. And when you're doing a long road trip, 300, mile, 300 miles between each, you want to get out, I would say probably every 300 miles, maybe go to the bathroom, maybe stretch your legs, maybe get something to eat. And then by the time you do all those things and come back to your car, you're like ready to go. So you're, I never felt like I was waiting on this charging at all. And now that's now and now that's going to be faster. Now it's like really going to be nothing. Yeah. Well, that that's one other you know. And again, like it, it's crazy to cherry pick the worst parts of this stuff. But then like you hear stories like people like sitting in them all day or so, or leaving their cars abandoned as they're sitting there charging and stuff like that. It's like you you know that stuff will get better. Yeah. Yeah. You're not planning your day right. That's the problem. Like maybe you want to get to a hundred percent for some crazy reason. Yeah, if you want to go from 80 to 100%, you're going to be there an extra 20 minutes. Right. Well, it was more like people are flat out abusing the charging stations and stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that's... And then now you're... That'll get now you're definitely getting... Now you're getting people for some reason... Well, because these charging stations, this is... They're everywhere now. And they're... Because Tesla is like making these agreements to like, I guess, to lease this area. They're... I, I especially love the ones when they're in the parking lots of gas stations. That's my favorite one. <laughs> but... Ones that they'll, they'll oftentimes be in the parking lots of gas stations, in the parking lots of like motels and hotels, which is nice because like at least there's a lot of stuff around there. So like especially going to Canada, almost everyone had a Tim Hortons near it. So I would just go there, get a cup of <laughs> yeah. coffee, go to the bathroom, come back and I'm ready to go. Yeah. I'll, one more note on charging stations. So that I think that's a big reason that these other non-Tesla manufacturers are having problems getting traction because now you actually do have, you know, if some if a customer has that kind of worry and you want to talk to them about it tesla can show you the map of the united states that has like a thousand charging stations that's true are they completely proprietary or are they open i was going to mention this so they are they're proprietary to tesla but tesla has openly said if a manufacturer wants to work with us it's just software that we will get it working with them yeah hmm. but no one has come elon has said no one has come to them for that i yeah if i was a manufacturer i'd be like a hundred percent that's crazy just I'm like, yeah, it, they're gonna charge me the same electricity rates. It's just, yeah, because like that—that's another great advantage of the, the char uh, of superchargers. Is like, it's not like a gas station at all. You literally plug it in your car, and that's it. It charges you to your Tesla account, right? Like, there's no, you're not swiping your card and stuff. But they have all the, there's all these startups that are these charging stations, but uh, there's not a lot of them. There, you know, there's the standards are there is one like standard, but they're all kind of weird. Mm -hmm. They're not as there's not the charging isn't as fast so like if you're trying to buy a nissan leaf or something else that is it's a real it's definitely one of the realest problems i see and like until we see either 
uh, another vehicle manufacturer partnering with Tesla with superchargers or building out their own or buying or funding like one of these EV charging solutions and really building them out, I'm not gonna, I don't think they're serious about it.